Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. Welcome, everybody. Welcome all those that are online. Youngs, I think you're there. Hello. Good to see you. Well, I guess I'm not seeing you. Good to be seen. Bless you, Lord. So I'm sure you've probably noticed I tend to sing. I generally have a song on my heart. If you've been around me, uh, if you ever worked with me, most of the time I am singing. So I am number six of seven kids in my family, just to give you a little bit of a thing about me while we're giving people time to come in. So uh, I lived, we moved down to Mississippi when I was just shy of two, and we were down there through when I was, I think, six, five and a half, six. And so those first years, my mom's from Mississippi, so those first years I ran around barefoot, and my hair was blonde because of the sun. Because I was out in the sunlight all the time, and I was—I just was like that feral child who would just run all around and and did everything. I was just free. I was just a happy little kid. But I would sing all the time, and I really loved a rhinestone cowboy. That was a popular song, and I would sing that, Linda. I'd sing that on repeat, so you can imagine my poor mother, you know, just like a rhinestone cowboy, bow bow, you know. And so then my, uh, my neighbors, who lived right next to us, our neighbors, had a pool in their backyard. And so they would always, my siblings would always send me over to ring their doorbell and to sing Rhinestone Cowboy and then ask if we could swim in their pool. Mm-hmm. And I did it, of course. Of course I did it, you know. But that's, that's the little kid that I was. <clears throat> Bless the Lord. Today, happy anniversary, guys. You may not know it, but today basically is our church's 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cool. We were founded December 2nd of 1982, and this is December 4th of 2022. So one generation is behind us, new generation. I mean, if you're into numbers. So we'll see what the Lord's doing. It's just kind of an interesting fact. I wanted to make note of today instead of coming back in a couple of weeks and going, hey, did you realize a few weeks ago? But today, happy anniversary. It's good. The Lord is faithful. 40 years of faithfulness of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, I want to get into the word, but before I do, I did have a few. You guys need jokes. You need, you need You know, I don't know if I've ever told you, but elevators terrify me, but I'm taking steps to avoid them. Thank you. I bought a brand new, really cool electric toothbrush, but I found out it wasn't waterproof. I was shocked. Oh, and did you hear that the inventor, the guy who figured out wind chill, that he passed away? He was 85 years old, but he felt like he was 60. Okay, there we go. Merry Christmas, guys. Woo! <laughs> you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. <clears throat> that I'm supposed to be doing while I'm up here, besides preaching. Mm 
Luke chapter 2, we're going to go ahead and pray over the word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for your presence. Man, Jesus, it is so nice to be with you, to spend time with you. Thank you, Father, that uh, you're not hindered by geography, uh, by time or space, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are with us. Thank you, Jesus, for it, for your presence in our lives, Lord. Here and throughout all of our days, Lord, you are with us. Thank you, Lord, for your promise in Hebrews 13, 5, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Your faithfulness, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us from the word this morning. Speak through me, Lord. Give me the right words to say. Take it and anoint it by, by you, Holy Spirit, and reveal Jesus to each and every individual that's listening to this word this morning. Reveal something really cool about Jesus to them. Encourage them in their faith. Bring them a Luke 4, 18 and 19 experience this morning, Lord. Setting them free, opening their eyes, breaking things off of them, Lord. Reveal to them their favor that they have in you, Christ Jesus. Lord, make it abundantly clear, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your presence. We give this word to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of uh, Luke. We're continuing. Last week I talked about how uh, the Advent, now Jesus is with us now. And I just want to continue kind of in that theme since we're in the Advent season, uh, Christmas season here. And I want to continue here with Luke chapter 2. I don't know if I'll get out of this verse this entire Christmas season. We'll see. But Luke chapter 2 verse 10. We're talking about the shepherds in the hills. And it says, And the angel said to them, Now remember they were out there working. They were just minding their own business. They're at work doing the thing that they do to provide for their families. It's nighttime, so they're the night shift. They're the third shift. So it's, you know, it's the harder, the one you don't want to get. You want to get the day shift, which is a lot easier, so you can go home and sleep in your bed. This is the night shift, the hard one. Anybody else work night shift before in their life? Night shift is... God bless you. If you're still doing it, God bless you. I did it my one semester of college, and I would like zombie. It was so hard. But anyway, they're doing this, and the angel appears to him. This, it says in verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, understandably, because something awesome happened in the midst of them that was unexplainable. And the angel said to them, verse 10, Fear not. I love the way the practicality of God just speaks to us right where we are and speaks his word and says, okay, I need you to pay attention to what I'm saying so you're going to need to move past the fear you're feeling so that you can hear me. Fear not, which by the way, you know, if you're in the middle of, of needing something and you're in the middle of a situation and the Lord's trying to speak to you, a lot of times the fear or the anxiety of the situation keeps us from hearing from the Lord. And so the Lord has to say to us, hey, I need you to stop focusing on the fear and focus on me. So fear not, because I'm trying to give you the solution, trying to speak you the direction out of it. But when you're in the midst of this circle, you're in a fight or flight situation, and you're, I'm not able to speak to you. So I need you to calm down to settle yourself in me, remind yourself about who I am, put on some worship music, do what you need to do to remind so that your ears can be in tune to me so that I can say to you, fear not, and then give you the direction. Okay, so that's what he does here. Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you. That's what I want to emphasize today. God brings you in the middle of where you are. You notice these guys weren't at the temple? They weren't the priest. They were just simple, low-level workers out in the field, the lowest of the low, probably the, the minimumest of minimum wages because it's the night duty. It's the one that nobody wants to do, you know. So it, it, you throw them out there and you say, do this. And God meets them there where they are and speaks to him. So no matter where you are, God wants to speak to you. God desires to bring good news to you in your at. Now, if you haven't heard me refer to the at before, the at is basically your oikos, your sphere of influence, where you, your feet tread every day. And everybody's different. Everybody in this room, I could look out and go, okay, where you walk all day long is different than where you walk all day long. is different than where you walk. is different than where you walk. But where you are is where God wants to be. That is your at, like the at symbol. So I am bringing to you where you are the message from the Lord, the good news. Now this word good news here is actually the two words in English are one word in Greek. It is uh, evangelia, uh, the gospel, basically. And that word evangelia, or the gospel, comes from two words in Greek, two root words, one means angel, angelos, and the other means good. And angel, if you didn't know, I know I'm, I'm going deep here, but angel is messenger. So it's a messenger of goodness, and that's what the gospel is, good news. That's how they got that English translation so that you would understand. It's the gospel, which is good news. But we hear that sometimes, and we just throw that up into this religious box and it becomes this word that has no power in your practical, immediate life. It's a church word. What is the gospel? Well, that's a church word. Bless God. It's a word we use at church that no one really comprehends practically for their individual lives. What good is the gospel on Monday? That word, I mean. On Friday afternoon, when I'm drinking coffee, do I think gospel? But the gospel, the good news, is a very practical word because it's very individualized and it's specifically where you are on Friday morning, where you are on Wednesday afternoon, where you are on Tuesday at 10.30, where you are, Rory, here in a little while when you go to work. The gospel is very individualized. It is good news for that moment for you. That's what the angel said. So this wasn't a one-off occurrence. This is God saying, this is my intention. This is who I am. So I want to begin to show you who I am. If you begin to look, you'll begin to see God meeting people where they are in the middle of their at and bringing good news. Now, good news is like Luke 4, 18 and 19, where Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, to bring sight to the blind, to bring deliverance, to bring the, the year of the Lord's favor, to do these things that are going to set people free and reveal them my love and bring them back into the kingdom and show them the path into what I have for them. 
So I am doing this from the beginning. I come to where man is and I meet man where they are. You saw God came down and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He met Moses in the wilderness. He met Gideon in the wine press where he was threshing wheat because he was trying to hide from the enemy. You see, God meets us where we are because where we are is where he desires to be. He loves where you are. He created you for where you are. He created for the, you for the act that you walk in, the sphere of influence that you walk in. He created you to be a light and to walk in that area with boldness and victory as he would walk in that area. That's what he's created you for. And so he loves being there with you. He doesn't expect you to do it alone. In the middle of that marriage, he doesn't expect you to do it alone. In the middle of all those co-workers, he doesn't expect you to do it alone. In the middle of the hospital, he doesn't expect you to do it alone. He expects to be there with you in the midst of that, bringing himself and his fullness to you. That's why you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fills the temple, and the temple moves everywhere and, and just pours on. My cup runneth over and just pours out all over everybody. Jesus sends the angel. He says, I'm coming. You needed to set the standards so that people understand that I see them where they are. And so they, the angel goes. He meets these guys in the middle of the, of, the, of the wilderness there. And he says, fear not, for behold, I'm bringing you good news of great joy that's going to be for all the people. It's not just for these guys. It's for everybody. This news of meeting you where you are. In Luke chapter 1, we, we find Zechariah. He's going about his work there in the temple. He's just doing his priestly stuff that he's done for years. He's an old guy. He's probably got it into uh, kind of the, the habit, you know, the ritual of it. I know what I need to do. Kind of one of those things where you've done it for so long that you could probably do it with your eyes shut and not think. You know, it's robot motions. And he's doing this. And he has this, this heartfelt need. He, he had wanted a kid, but his wife couldn't conceive. You know, and I'm sure he went through the whole thing of, of walking his wife through the pain and the misery that she went through for so many years of, I think I'm pregnant. No, I'm not. Uh, we don't know whether she just never conceived or she conceived and miscarriage and conceived and miscarriage and conceived. You know, you know I mean, we don't know. It doesn't say. But she was never able to carry a child to term. And eventually, though, after so many years go by, it reaches the point where you're like, you know, I think it's kind of settled in her heart. The morning has settled. She's given up, and I've given up. And we've settled into this. It's just never going to happen. And this is where Zechariah is. In the midst of this, where pain has been so long pushed back that it's probably settled into a... Well, it's, it's just the way it is. Kind of a hopeless. And that is the act where Zechariah is. And the angel comes and pops down in the middle of that and says, Hey, bro, fear not, first of all. You're going to have a son. And boom, we know the rest of the story. 
Zechariah was met in the middle of his act by the presence of the Lord who brought the answer and the direction that Zechariah wanted and needed. Are you any different than Zechariah? Can Jesus not meet you where you are at this moment and give you direction to move forward? Can he not send an angel which will bring wisdom or the Holy Spirit which will press on your heart wisdom from him of what to do and how to do it? When it's going to happen or just the peace to know rest for right now. I'm working. Trust me. Elizabeth, he goes home and he tells Elizabeth, this is in Luke chapter 1, 24 and 25, he tells Elizabeth, and you can imagine her, because she's been like, probably just a deep wound that she's just pushed down. I can just imagine. Just pushed down. Expectation, desire, just pushed down for so long that, and here it comes, and he comes home and he says, I, I can't even, he, well, he doesn't say because he can't talk. Because he doubted, you know, and he, and he said, okay, you're not going to be able to speak until the baby's warm. So he gets home and he's like, and she's like, honey, what's happening? What's the problem? You know? And he's like, she's like, what? You know, give me something. And he writes it down and, and tells her, and she's like, oh, you're crazy. That, you know, that can't happen. And then they go, probably go back and forth, and finally she's like, okay, Lord. You know, this is a miracle, and I, I guess if you want to do this, but I'm afraid about opening this deep, cavernous wound of expectation and getting my heart hurt. So if it happens, it happens, and then suddenly she finds herself pregnant. And the Lord, though, met her where she was in her act, which was different than Zachariah's act. Are you any different than Elizabeth? God is no respecter of persons. This Christmas season, is it any different for you than it was for them? That the Lord cannot meet you where you are. You have young Mary in Luke chapter 2, verse 28. Mary's in her hometown up in Nazareth. What good comes out of Nazareth? You know, that's what they said. That was kind of the saying. Like, what good comes out of Nazareth? Jesus did, yes. We know that, John. You're right. So maybe you got an area where it is like, you know, there ain't no good coming out of that area. I kind of keep that over here in this room with the door shut because there ain't no good coming out of that. It's long past its potential to produce good. And Jesus says, huh, how about I meet you there? How about I meet you in that area? Well, Lord, I've been working at this job for five years. And man, these co-workers, I I just can't do it. And and God says, what if I want to meet you there? And I do something different. And I just kind of, in that act, totally change that. Or maybe it's your finances. Man, Lord, our finances are such a place that it's just impossible. And the Lord says, what if I want to meet you in your finances? Or maybe it's your marriage. What if I want to meet you in your marriage? But it's, maybe it's your health, personal health, and it's just been a struggle. And the Lord says, what if I want to meet you in that place? 
Again, what does the angel say to Mary? Fear not. Hmm, do you see a pattern there? Fear not. Fear not. Why would we fear? Well, again, like with Elizabeth, it could be broken expectations. It could be, uh, I, I, I don't, I'm, a, I'm afraid of getting hurt. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of all the other things that are out there. One more time, Lord. And the Lord says, fear not. What have I said to you? Are you not worthy of my love in this area? Am I not able to meet you here? Joseph, her betrothed husband, betrothed fiancé, I guess, this time, he was in his bedroom when the angel came. He was just laying on his bed. And the angel came and in a dream told him, you don't need to fear marrying Mary. Yeah, she's going to be pregnant, but you don't need to worry about it. You just need to marry her and everything's going to be good. Don't worry about the social aspects of it. Don't worry about Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> religious people. You just do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to meet you where you are in this situation. So is Joseph's situation any different than your situation right now? I mean, we know about it because it's, it was specific that we all needed to hear about it. Uh, aren't you glad that you're not one of the people in the Bible and all of your good, bad, and ugly gets thrown out all over the pages and they get to talk about it for 2,000 years? <laughs> so, I hear you killed, had an affair and killed somebody. Yeah, let's talk about that, shall we? Aren't you glad that it's just, you know, in the Lord's hands? But it's, you're no different. You just weren't one of the ones chosen to have a book written about you as you walked out your faith. But your faith in Christ is the same faith that all of them walked with and had to walk out with fear and trembling. Jesus can meet you where you are in your act. The wise men... You know, these three guys here. I almost said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> no, that's not the three wise men. We don't actually know how many wise men there were. We go three because there were three gifts, but it really is nowhere named how many there are. There could have been 75. We don't really know. But the wise men were in their foreign land, really, really far away from Jerusalem, and the Lord met them and spoke to them and said, Do you see that star? You need to find out why it's there. I'm bringing an answer. Seek it out. But the Lord met them where they were, in their at. And they gathered people in their at, and they began to proclaim, and they moved, and they found out. They went in on the search to find Jesus. Simon and Andrew, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Simon and Andrew were in their boat fishing. They were just doing their job. Now, they were fishing. That was one of the common, you know, uh, occupations at that time. Fishing. But they could have been accountants. They could have worked at Cerner. You know? They could have sold cars. 
Can you imagine Jesus walking into the car dealership and saying, hey, you two, I want to talk to you two brothers. Come here. I know this is your dad's dealership, but I want you two to follow me. And I will show you how to reach men. You sell cars, I'm going to show you how to reach men. He met them in their at. I know it's hard for us to relate because none of us here, I think, are professional fishermen who all they do is catch fish for a living, right? It's hard to relate at times, but in reality, the ambulance driver, it's the same thing. The construction company, it's the same thing. The lumber company, right? I think Matt, right? Where are you right now? Where do you spend your Tuesdays, your Wednesdays, your Thursdays? Jesus is there. You see James and John also at work. Actually, their business was right next door at a boat, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus walks and he says, hey guys, while I'm at it, you two come and follow me as well. He met them in their at. He goes by and he passes the uh, IRS booth, Johnson County Tax Station, Jackson County Tax thing, and he walks up and says, hey, Matthew, Levi, I want to talk to you. I'm going to your house tonight. You're having a party and I'm the guest of honor. But he met him right where he was. And Matthew has this big party and all of Matt, because Matt's in the in crowd, because Matt's, you know, he's compromised, so he's got all the Romans, he's got the money, he's got the power, and I'm sure there were probably all kinds of things there because the Pharisees said, why is Jesus fellowshipping with all these sinners and prostitutes? And I forget how he says it, but he says all of these people. That's Matthew's in crowd. That was Matthew's sphere of influence, Matthew's act. And Jesus walked right in the middle of it and brought his life into the middle of Matthew's act. Are you any different than Matthew? Are your problems any bigger than Matthew's? Are your soul issues because you've been a reject from society and you've compromised and sold your entire nationality for somebody for money? Are you any different or yours any harder than Matthew's work? Jesus meets us in our acts, like he does to the shepherds. I am coming and bringing to you where you are the good news. It says that Jesus found Philip in John 1.43. I don't know where he found Philip, but he found him. <laughs> Meaning he went to where Philip was and grabbed him. Nathaniel, if you remember in John 1.48, he says, Hey, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. You know, Philip had grabbed Nathanael and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah, I know you. I saw you and you were sitting under the fig tree, meaning that Jesus saw him when he did not see Jesus. See, Jesus sees you. I know that's kind of hard at times because in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the situation, it's hard to remember that Jesus sees you where you are and that he cares. He cares about how you are right now. He cares about what you're walking through. 
It isn't this religious, I'm in the church and you need to come here and worship me. Now I'm tired of you, so go home. It is, I am with you. I want to spend all day long with you. God enjoyed coming down and walking in the evening with Adam and Eve through the garden. Just walking with them. Do you think you're any different? Well, Adam and Eve I really like, but after they screwed up, I don't know if I trust you guys. I don't know if I want to. In the middle of your at, in your apartment, Don, Jesus loves coming and fellowshipping with you. He likes to. He likes your cats, Michael. He loves these things about us. Saul, and who became Paul, here he is on this road. He's going about his own business trip, doing what he thinks is right. He's on, on the way, on a horse, riding there. I think he's on a horse. Well, anyway, he's on his way, and the Lord meets him and says, Hey, I want to talk to you. Met him in the middle of his at. Stop him in the middle of his business trip and says, I've got other plans for you. Let's talk. Let's talk. But he met him where he was because he saw and he knew where Saul Paul was. He knows where you are. He cares about you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're facing right now. few more important Cornelius who wasn't a Jew Cornelius is an outsider he's a Jewish uh, Roman not Jewish he's a Roman uh, pagan who hears about and begins to uh, acknowledge that there is God and begin to seek the Lord and the Lord sees Cornelius in his home and speaks to him in Acts chapter 10 verse 30 and 31 and says Cornelius there's this guy over here. I want you to go grab him. His name is Peter. And he'll show you the way. Cornelius, the pagan Roman officer, in his house, the Lord meets him and says, Hey, I want you to know me well, and this guy can tell you. So go over here and get him, because he'll tell you how to know me. Because I want to know you. And then he goes to Peter, the Holy Spirit does, and he says, hey, Peter, there's this guy coming, and you're not going to want to do it, but you need to do it because I want to know him. And so get past your religiosity so that you can get in and so that I can have this relationship with Cornelius that I want. Are you any different than Cornelius? Do you think Cornelius was like 100% righteous and had everything going for him and, and floated like Jesus floated? Or do you think he still needed some sanctification at times? Lastly, you see the jailer in Acts 16, verses 31 and 32. And this jailer just helped to lock up Paul and Silas in prison. 
And he puts them not in like the nice cells. He takes them all the way into the cell that's in the very middle of the prison, like the deepest, darkest part of the prison. Just probably some, uh, you know, like get rid of these guys. Stick them in there where we don't ever hear from them again. And he puts them all the way down in there. And then he goes about his life. Because he lives, he's one of those lucky people that live right on their jobs. Can you imagine living at that medical? Oh, my word. Yeah, just call Seth. He's upstairs. Ding dong. <laughs> so my, I grew up with my dad being the owner of the auto parts store. And the phone rang. You know, back then we had phones, not like this, but on the wall. And the phone rang, and you knew if the phone rang, Saturday or Sunday, any time of day, you knew it was somebody whose car had broken down and they needed my dad to go open the auto parts store. And as kids, we would get to, we hated it, and we would answer the phone and say, I'm sorry he's not here, when he was. I don't know if he ever knew we did that. Because he was a giver, so he was always, yeah, sure, I'll be right there. You know, and he was always going up and opening the store and getting the people the parts. But here this jailer was in his work, and Jesus meets him right there. Paul and Silas are worshiping. Man, and then the earthquake happens, and the jailer comes out, and he goes, oh, no, I'm ruined. My business is collapsed. Everything's gone. They're probably going to kill me because I've lost Everybody I've been charged to take care of, they'll probably kill me and my entire family. And he goes to kill himself. He goes to take a sword and to stab himself. And Paul, because the Holy Spirit instructed him, this jailer's important to me. I see him. You need to stop him. And he cries out, don't kill yourself. It's fine. We're all here. And he runs into the inner prison and finds them there. And Paul and Silas share the gospel, and they say, Today, you and your entire oikos, your entire at, this is where I get it, your entire household is going to be saved. Because Jesus is walking into the midst of it. Are you any different than that jailer? Well, Matt, sometimes I don't experience what that jailer experienced. Well, let me give you three quick things that you need to keep in mind. Number one, Jesus sees you. I think the biggest argument from the enemy is that you're forgotten. You've screwed up. Uh, it's too late. Uh, God's too busy. Uh, the enemy's too loud and big. And it gets your eyes off of the fact that Jesus sees you where you are right now. Not when you're doing really good on Sunday. Not when you're on the top of the mountain. But right now, where you are, Jesus sees you. You need to remind yourself of that, Jesus. Because it's a personal relationship, guys. So I regularly, you know, I talk to Jesus. You need to talk to Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you see me right now. I ain't doing good, you know, but I know that you see me, and I appreciate that, Lord. Give me the revelation that I need. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not defeated by your sin. And he tore the veil in Matthew 27 so that you could come into his presence. The Holy of Holies, you're not segregated anymore from the presence of the Lord. 
You're not left outside. You're not a dog, Gentile dog. You're able to come into the family, come into his presence. It says in Hebrews uh, 4 that you can come directly into the throne room. The second thing I want you to remember is that not only does he see you, but he sees you directly in your at. In the midst of the whatever mess or whatever it is. In the midst of where you are right now. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the victory, doesn't make a difference. Whether you're rich or poor, known or infamous or not known. He sees you in the middle of your hat. He says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse uh, 13, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, he's there. That's the key. You've invited him into your life. He's there. He sees you. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember Romans 8.35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? You can't be separated. So don't separate yourself. Don't believe the lie of the enemy and put up a bunch of walls pushing God out. Because I'm not worthy and I'm, a, I'm bad and all this stuff. Just receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus, you see me, I receive it. The third and final thing I want you to remember, no matter where you are at this moment, is that the good news of great joy is personalized for you in your act. It's not just some big general term that's way up there somewhere, you know, like the sky is over you. It is a very personalized good news for you in your at. God is able in his greatness to narrow down exactly what his plan is specifically for you and to work it out. Whether it's physical healing, spiritual healing, soul healing, whatever needs to happen, the sozo salvation, the fullness of the salvation, body, soul, and spirit, is to you available in your at where you are. The wisdom right now. In closing, Romans 8, 38 and 39 says no one or no thing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So let that love, like Dennis talked about, let that love meet you where you are and bring breakthrough. If you need more reference, go back two weeks and listen to Dennis's sermon again. Let the love of God meet you where you are and bring the healing, bring the breakthrough, bring the repentance. Whatever it needs to bring, let the love motivate you to come into the fullness of what Jesus has for you as a son or a daughter of the King. Because the good news is for you today. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these uh, beautiful people, Lord. And what you are doing in their lives, I thank you, Father, that you know each and every one of them individually. You know exactly where they are, Lord. 
you know, how they spend their days, what they do during their free time, Father, what they do for occupation, Father. You know what all, Lord, and I ask you, Father, to go directly where each of one of them are, like you do, Lord, and reveal yourself. Show yourself, Father. Let them see how you are interacting exactly where they are, Father. I thank you, Lord, for it. Let your presence rest there, Lord. Fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you, Father. Lord, open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear, open their hearts to feel your deep love for them where they are. Let them enjoy the walks and talks with you in their garden, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for this gift. May this, the rest of this year and the, all of 2023 just be just a wonderful time with you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it. And I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that has all authority and all power and all dominion. Amen and amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great week, and we'll see you next.